you go into any uh, magazine shop and pick up any magazine written to men from GQ to men's health, doesn't matter what it is, if it's written to men, in some way or the other, generally, even right on the front cover, you will see articles about power, money, and sex. I don't care if it's a bodybuilding magazine. It'll say 10 ways to improve your sex life. Every issue. <laughs> Seven ways to perform better. Because they know that men will buy that. Because no matter how virile uh, or spiritual we appear to be, in the back of every man's mind, to some degree or another, is power, money, and sex. <laughs> the real challenge is, particularly for men, well, there are two challenges. One, one area of challenge comes from men who came out of the world, not been involved with church, and, and suddenly become a Christian. And everything that was normal yesterday becomes taboo today. I mean, you could be considered a moral, upright, good-standing man in the community and still have a woman that you spend two or three days a week with. And that is accepted and respected in society. And then you get saved. And all of a sudden, it's just like having a car wreck. <laughs> and we can sing and dance and skip and shout, but the moment you start telling me to modify my sexual behavior, even if you can get me to be willing to want to do it, it becomes a struggle. It's a real struggle. Now, we might not want to admit it, but it's a struggle. Yes, it is. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. So, so one, one area of struggle comes from a man who has had excessive sexual liberty. Now, to constrain him either to zero or to his own wife, <laughs> now that he's married, is challenging. The other end that's really interesting to me because I'm fascinated by people who were raised up in church and particularly churches that are very moral and they've been raised around uh, strong Christian standards all of their lives. Sometimes, but not always, they struggle in a way that is very unusual because they struggle from repressed sexuality. <laughs> they like... I never did anything, but they don't look like real happy about it. <laughs> and, and sometimes things repressed become difficult to deal with too. Yeah, because when you repress certain things, it becomes a struggle. And it is an ongoing struggle because I came to tell you something men that may be startling and it may be shocking and you may not be aware of this but I want to tell you right now openly and honestly your body is not saved now in case you haven't noticed that I want to shock you I may be the first person to tell you 
your body ain't safe at all. It is not safe. It is not safe. It has not been changed. When, when I grew up in church, they used to talk about when you come to the altar, they, they prayed and accepted Christ, and they get up out to us and say, I looked at my hands, and my hands looked new. And I looked at my feet, and they did too. I started to walk in, and I had a new walk. I started to talk and start. Sound wonderful. Big lie. Big lie. Big lie. Huge. Gigantic. Humongous. Humongous lie. You don't believe it. If you had a bunion on your foot before you got saved, Soon as you get home from church, take your shoe off and see that same old ugly bunion you had on your foot is still right there. Your body has not received notification that you are saved. And when it does get the news, it does not like it. Your body, in fact, Paul said, I buffet my body. And the word buffet means beat up. He said, I punch my flesh out. Lest after having preached to others, I myself may be a castaway. Your body is not saved. You've been saved in your spirit. You're being changed in your mind. But your body is yet to be changed. Anything that's not changed has to be controlled. If it was changed, you wouldn't be tempted in that area because it, it, it's changed. It's not, it's not there anymore. You don't believe that. It, see, it, your body's not changed through the gospel, but if you submit to a little surgery, you wouldn't have this struggle. <laughs> we could just fix that right now. You wouldn't You wouldn't want anything. You would be just fine. And praise the Lord, you would have the truth. See your body not change yet. <laughs> your body not change. And so you <laughs> hallelujah excuse me, hallelujah. <laughs> Don't scare me like that. <laughs> uh, thank the Lord. Uh, <laughs> your body is not changed. And any part of you that is not changed has to be controlled. Problem is, most times we preach to you about morality and we preach to you about godly living and godly standards. And you keep coming up to the altar, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me that I might be delivered. That I may be delivered because generally when men come to you talk about being delivered, either they're talking about being delivered from drugs or alcohol or sex. Generally, generally that's the first line. It takes a while for them to start wanting to be delivered from from unforgiveness and things that women come to the altar for unforgiveness. <laughs> men come to the altar. <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Grace Center, you get a man who won't pray for unforgiveness. <laughs> I just have all in my heart against somebody I need for. That's generally not what's bothering us. Women are bothered by relationship. Men are bothered by issues. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's got an issue in his life. And the issue can come at all stages and come to different forms at different stages. There's one area of temptation that comes to young men like this because they're, 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 their masculinity is just budding. All their hormones just, just got a bolt of electricity. You wake up one morning and Geronimo. Glory to God. Look what the Lord has done. Look what, you know. That's a real issue, too. That's a real issue. 
But there's another level of temptation that comes at, a, at another age. It's, it's different between that 17, 15, 15 now 12, <laughs> 10 year old <laughs> to, to early 20s. It's different from that, that 40 to 50. That's another kind of temptation. It's not the, 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 the flaming, pulsating, beating, driving, overwhelming urgency of unrealized passion. It's different from that. Now all of a sudden it becomes a matter of intimacy and closeness and becomes a little bit more affectionate. I, I tell men sometimes that, 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 that when a man is young and married, just got married, he wants to swing in on a vine. He comes in and tell him, Geronimo. And, and your wife is saying, you know, she's saying like, uh, hold me, Jim. You know. You don't want to hold nothing. You say, hold this. <laughs> but, but just, <laughs> please hold it. Somebody hold it. Come, come hold this for me. Shake hands with this. But, uh, <laughs> But it's funny, 25, 20, 25 years later, things switch. She comes in dressed in, dressed like James, swinging on a vine, talking about Geronimo. You look up and say, hold me. most men made their most grievous sins in, in their older age, in their maturity. Grievous, uncontrollable sin. When, when, when young men fall into sin, they, they fall into sex. All they want is sex. They just want sex. Old men fall in love. They're driven by different need. Emptiness, loneliness, passion to be appreciated, to be affirmed. And if they get it, they fall in love with it. Mess you up. Mess you up completely. Ruin you. Totally. Demolish you. In your youth, if you're promiscuous, you ruin them. When you get older and you're promiscuous, they ruin you. At every age, you got to be controlled. And that's a struggle. Now, it might not be a struggle today. You might not need this today. Just get the tape. 
you on the mountain today and you're just laying out in the spirit and you can't imagine how in the world any old low down dirty dog could ever think anything like that. And if they were really spiritual, Brother Jason, they just walked in the spirit. I don't see why they didn't walk in the spirit. I walk in the spirit. This is what I do. I just walk in the spirit and I get up in the morning and I say, good morning, Jesus. And I intercede and I go before the Lord in prayer. And once I'm consecrated, I don't have any trouble. Everything is just wonderful. And I can't understand how anybody could be a real Christian brother and ever think any evil ever get to take. Because there is coming a day. <laughs> may not be today, may not be next week, but there will be a day that you will say, Lord, help me with me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There, there are some issues that need that we need to come to grips with. Most of us are affected now over things that happened then. I, I did a questionnaire. I asked the men for questions, and, 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 and when it got to the sex, I got a lot of questions. I mean, some real doozies. <laughs> bless the Lord. If you saw what some of men wrote down, you would bless. They started asking all kinds of questions. One of the things is, okay, this guy is married. He's come from a promiscuous background. He's trying to get out of his wife things that he feels like he needs. Okay? And so he's, <laughs> you know, And, and, and he cannot figure out how to do it. Some things I need you to understand, first, first of all, is that things that stimulate men are much different than what stimulates women. women. Men get stimulated by what they see. Women are stimulated by how they feel. Emotional. Sex for a woman doesn't start in the bed. It starts in the living room. Most men are too quick on the draw. They come in at the end of the day. She's been a mommy all day. She's been a mommy all day or she's worked all day. So she's come home from work. She's got tricycles and homework and, and chicken dinner to make. And then roll over and she's supposed to turn from a workhorse to a mommy to nursing a baby into a sex goddess in the course of two hours. That's quite a metamorphosis to me. That's quite a, and, and one of the things that eases it for her is if, if all day she is reminded that beneath all of these other tasks, I want to see you. I want to see you. Hey, I, I just call you on the phone. I ain't got but two minutes. I just want you to know you're on my mind. And I'm going to be the guy driving down the meridian trying to get through the traffic to get home to see you. Bye. All of a sudden, she says, I'm not just a secretary. I'm not just a workhorse. I'm not just somebody who drives the kids to, to band rehearsal. Somebody likes me. Somebody wants me. So that's in the back of her mind. And that festers her. He loves me. He appreciates me. He sent me a car. He left me a note. He left me a note. I opened up the dishwasher. And there's a note from Jim. Talking about, see you tonight. And that old crazy thing. Oh, boy, you're crazy. You're crazy. Thank the Lord, he crazy. (laughs) 
But if you don't do that and you come in and cold, you can't see you all down in Texas where everything's warm. I come from West Virginia where it's cold. If the car is left out in the cold all night and you try to start it up real quick, it don't work so good. It don't work so good. It don't work so good. So sometimes the startup is too quick, okay? The other thing that's an issue is sometimes you're trying to work out things with her that don't even need to be worked out with her because they are the result of things you did with people who were drugged up, drunk up, and sexed up. People out of your past who, who you was slapping around Talking about, what's my name? Turn upside down. I want you to put your nose out the window and put your foot on the chandelier. with bad Annie who'd been with Philip and Richard and Robert. That's why you didn't marry her. But then you married a nice girl but you want her to turn into One of the things, I'm not talking about having a wholesome, healthy relationship, but one of the things we have to do is, is get free from our past so that you're not bringing all of these women home with you, the memory of them. Don't tell me you didn't forget because you ain't. Everything you ever did with anybody is stored somewhere in this PC. And you'll get flashbacks at the strangest times. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Tonight. Get that organ, boy. I'm preaching. But you're trying to come into a wholesome relationship. And it's a struggle. Because you bring all of that garbage with you. Which becomes a bed for discontentment. Because you want your marriage to feel like an affair. Ain't going to happen. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. Lord, it ain't nothing but men. I ain't got nobody to use. Jesus. I was gonna do an illustration, but all y'all look so rough, I can't get into it. Hey, all y'all look hard and beat up and drugged down and stuff. I mean, I got a church full of men. I tell you, I got a bunch of bad breath men. They're them, them all hard men. 
I like y'all though. Y'all all right. You get ready to get close. I ain't gonna try. You get ready. I ain't gonna try. I'm crazy, but sometimes I won't try. You get ready to get close. You done brought all of these people home with you. Every incident, every childhood group incident, every little boy incident comes home. Now you save, but your mind is bringing all this garbage home with you. And you want to be a man of God, and you want to have a wholesome relationship. And you married a sweet woman. You want her to be a virtuous woman. You want her to be a prayer woman. You want her to be a godly woman until 1030. <laughs> then you want Isabel to turn into mad Mabel. Now the problem, the problem, and she may be, she may have the capacity to do that. But part of the problem is you have brought too many people into your bed with you. She is competing with Sarah, who flipped you upside down, <laughs> slapped you on your behind, and said, "What's my name?" Josephine and Isabel and some older woman who got a hold of you when you was in high school. And you have to com continually keep bathing that junk out of your mind so that your expectations can become realistic. Because marriage doesn't feel like affairs. Okay, you, you get a hotel fair and you just say, oh my God, say, wait, now listen, I'm going to drive behind the building. I'm supposed to be at the 7-Eleven, but I'm going to man. And we got to make it come, come, come. for one minute instead of always trying to change her. Have you ever thought that maybe you need to be changed? Right. Amen. Just maybe, just maybe, just maybe. Could it, 
Could it be possible that you might be hooked on something sick? Just, 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 just a minute. Could it, be, could it be possible that all of those things that happened to you have produced a need in you that you really don't need but think you need? Could you be trying to get something out of her that is insulting and humiliating because it's based on something you experienced with somebody that you didn't love and now you're trying to act it out with somebody that you do love? And she can tell by the feel of it that this is not the way you handle somebody you love. And she doesn't know where this is coming from. And it has nothing to do with her. And she has a feeling when she's with you that you are not with her. And she is right. Because you still think about crazy Mabel. <laughs> Jacob wanted Rachel. Married Leah. First thing crazy about that was he spent all night with Leah before he knew who she was. In the morning, the Bible said in the morning, he said, it's Rachel. And blow my mind. How you spend all night with the woman you ain't looked in the face? All night long, he was in his mind with Rachel. But in his flesh, he was with Leah. When you go to bed with your wife, who are you really with? And have you ever thought that she can tell? Ooh. Y'all look like a bunch of convicts. <laughs> I think I'm in Texas State Penitentiary. I'm scared to the security. <laughs> Bishop, I don't think it's wrong that I should want such and such and such. It may not be. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. One of the things they asked me is that, uh, is, is this type of sex wrong? Is that type of sex wrong? We're, we're talking about marriage now. He said, uh, what, what, what does the Bible say about, uh, well, they asked about oral sex. They asked about anal sex. There's an article just been released uh, in Ebony Magazine talking about uh, men and their sexuality done by a counselor. You'd be surprised. See, because you can't tell. There are things about people that you can't tell by looking at them. See, who I am standing in front of you is completely You can't see that looking at my clothes. You can't see that looking at my title. You can't see that looking at my car. So when you start getting the sexuality, you're getting down to real personal stuff. And the first thing you need to do is marry somebody that you are equally yoked with. Second thing, you need to talk about everything. You need to have open lines of communication. You need to quit trying to pass yourself off as Prince Charming if you're really Freddie the Freak. She, she, she dated Prince Charming, and now she wakes up beside Freddie the Freak, and, and now you're coming out the bank with all of this stuff. 
and you just want me to give you a scripture so you can go home and hit her with this scripture and say, the Bible said you got to be crazy Mabel. Well, I ain't got no scripture for you. I got no scripture for you. I am telling you, you, you ought to be equally yoked. You ought to find somebody who fits you. Who fits the contours of your need. I am telling you that both of you have to be comfortable with your sexual rhythm. Whatever that rhythm is. You can't make it by yourself. Both of you have to have the same beat or you can't flow. And I am trying to tell you, you can't make her and you can't rape her. Read my scripture in Hebrews. What is it? Hebrews 13. Marriage is honorable. Read, read, tell them where it is. Hebrews. Hebrews 13 and 4. 13 and 4. Get this. Hebrews. Boy, they got their Bibles out now, boy. Folks <laughs> oh, so ain't never had a Bible. They out there looking. They turn and page. Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews. Are you in Hebrews? Read it for me. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed. Marriage is honorable in all. Marriage is honorable. It is holy. It is pure. God has sanctioned the institution of marriage. May I tell you something, gentlemen, that God created sex? May I tell you that sex is not the one dirty thing that married people get to do? May I tell you that sex is not dirty at all? That the creator of the universe created sex? Created the woman and specifically designed her to meet the needs of man? And vice versa? May I tell you that marriage is a ministry that brings about wholeness, that brings about healing and restoration. May I tell you that God put you with her because in your arms she's supposed to find a degree of healing that she can't find anywhere else. May I tell you that the woman you hold may be a woman who was abused, molested, raped, ostracized, and in your arms she's supposed to feel safe and secure and not molested and raped further. May I be open and say you may have been raped, abused, and molested. And in her arms, you're supposed to find a degree of healing that you could not find anywhere else. May I tell you that when you are going to work the magic, not only do you have to take the clothes off your body, you have to take the clothes off of your heart. That you don't have to be Superman, that you have to be Clark Kent. Take your boots off, put your cape in the closet, and be who you really are. Yes, because you, you cannot stay in them boots for 25 years. You, can, you may swing in on the vine sometime, but you ain't going to swing in all the time. I bet you. I bet you. You bad, but you ain't going to be bad all the time. Sometimes you're going to be humble. <laughs> you 
just flow. Clark Kent with glasses. <laughs> no Superman. But the state of matrimony, God says, it is honorable. He has blessed the union. And what goes on in it is sacred. When you find God legislating sexuality and condemning sexuality, it is because it is outside of matrimony. And when it steps outside of matrimony, the rules are clear, cut, and sharp. Hands off. You are forbidden by scripture to cut covenant with somebody you don't have covenant with. See, God sees sex as a spiritual issue too. That it was designed, it was supposed to be, that the man becomes a symbol of the power of God. And his passion is, is symbolized by the phallus, a symbol of power. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? Power, blood, power. That the woman provides a wall of flesh that when the man breaks it, she releases blood. And she covers him with blood. And they enter into a blood covenant. That means whatever I need to show you and whatever I need to be vulnerable about, I can be that with you because we got a covenant. It is a blood covenant. We are tied together. That means this stuff is mine. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. We're just talking about, idealistically, that might not be your reality, but we're talking about what he had in mind when he put the wall in there. The wall is the hymen. It's the same word where we get him. And when we sing hymns, we break through the veil into the presence of God. In the same sense, when you break through the hymen, you enter into the womb, which is the holies of holies of the woman. That's the place where creation, that's the place where life is held. That's the place where reproduction begins. You just step into her sanctuary. And he put a veil to be broken. And when you break through the veil, you step into her sanctuary. And it is a worship experience. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> That's what we want. That's what we want it to be. It may not be, but that's what we want it to be. We want... Excuse me, I'm sorry. I just want to have a little fun with you. Okay? And it is honorable. You have the privilege of portraying Christ in the union. She portrays the church. And when you come together, he says you become one, even as he is one with the church. And he created her with secrets in her body for you to discover, for you to find, for you to go on expeditions in search. She, she is your treasure chest. And at different stages and different ages, different things are unlocked. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're supposed to find a new woman in the old woman, but you got to keep looking in the same place. <laughs> and he says, marriage is honorable. Read me some more. And the bed undefiled. And he said, the bed is not dirtyable. It's not dirtyable. It cannot be dirtied. If it's you and her and you're married and you agree about it, that's your business. 
That's it. Now you're going to hear it in different, different places, but let me tell you something. The church needs to stay out of the marital bed. Because the book said the bed is undefiled. So we have no right to regulate what goes on in the holies of holies. That's too personal for me to set rules that you got to live by. I'm going to set all the rules because it don't bother me and I don't like that no way. <laughs> now you got to live by it. it. It is parallel by what happens with us when we worship God. Thus is enter my gates with thanksgiving, my courts with praise. Be thankful unto me and bless my name. What God wants from the church is worship. Like you want passion from her, he wants worship from you. And he says, he, he, says, he teaches us how to serve him. He says, I want you to talk to me. He said, I want you to talk to me. Praise me with the fruit of your lips. Tell me I'm awesome. He said, if you want me to come where you are, just stand and tell me you bad. You awesome. You incredible. I got to have you. I made you. You're my father. You're my mother. You're my life. You're my peace. You're my joy. He said, the more you talk to me, he said, here I come. I'm coming where you are. If I have to break into a jailhouse to find you, I'll move the whole prison to get to you. If you praise me, I'll be magnified in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God is so sacred about the worship and the relationship between his church and him that if anybody gets in the way of a worshiper, God will move them. He will move them. He will tear down a jail cell to get to two men that are behind the walls praising him. He will drown Pharaoh and 600 chosen chariots because Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people worship him. He said, you get in between me and my stuff, I'll drown you. I'll drown you because they want to worship me and I want to be worshipped. Understand what I'm saying? That's personal stuff. Marriage is honorable. The bed is undefiled. Read on. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. But whoremongers, sneaky peep men. Pentecostal pimps, church playboys, <laughs> illegal, <laughs> don't make me say that, <laughs> sex bandits, <laughs> God said I'll judge you, no generation has been judged for promiscuity no worse than ours, yes sir terrible judgments and even people who do not know Christ are starting to adopt our morality don't let them fool around and be wiser in their way than we are in ours you got Christ and everything you still living like the devil they got the devil and starting to live like Christians ain't that a mess marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled but whoremongers and what and adulterers. And adulterers. God will judge. Judge. He said, if you play, you're going to pay. You know why I got quiet? Because <laughs> there's a bucket full of conviction in here right now.
You know why I get quiet? Because there are men in this room that are struggling with pornography. I, I should not say struggle with it in it. In it, reveling in it, rolling in it. Hallelujah, we bless you, Lord. There are men in here struggling with homosexuality. I'm not just talking about single, I'm talking about married. Married, struggling, wrestling, struggling. That's it. There are men in here having multiple affairs, skipping and dancing and jumping and jerking. Yeah. Right now, praise the Lord, got positions. I'm, I'm Elder so-and-so, I'm Reverend so-and-so, I'm Deacon Sneaky Pete, I'm Miss Mary. the churches let me tell you what the and, and this is my vision you don't have to adopt in my spirit I see a church where people won't have to lie I see a church where people can become honest and you can say hey I, I know I had a real experience with Christ I know he touched my life but I have a real problem I'm struggling with crack I'm struggling with homosexuality I am struggling with an adulterous affair I'm struggling with pornography and I need help the thing to stop the church from being able to help anybody is that we want everybody to just live a lie we just want just live a lie just act like everything's all right you ain't got to be right just act right just fake it just fake it just 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 be sneaky enough that we don't know nothing about it and everything is fine and we never allowed men to be honest and anytime you can't be honest you can't be healed you can't be delivered because everything's secret and and sores that are covered don't heal Are you getting anything from this? Go to Song of Solomon. Let me show you something. Go to Song of Solomon. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do in bed, but I just want you to hear when the Song of Solomon, he writes about sensuality. Fourth chapter. Verse 8. I'm not going to tell you how to interpret this. I'm going to read it to you. you. You just think about it. Fourth chapter, verse 8. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. With me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Shinar and Hermon, from the lion's den, from the mountains of the leopards. Verse 9. Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one chain of thy neck. How far is thy love, my sister, my spouse? How much better is thy love than wine? And the smell of thine ointments in all spices. Thy lips, O oh my spouse, drop as a honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. And the smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. 
A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Thy plants are as an orchard of pomegranates, with pleasant fruits, camphor, spignard, spignard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living water and a stream from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come thou south. Blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. Hmm. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. I am coming to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, oh friends, drink, yea, drink abundantly, oh beloved. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It's the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, open to me, sister. My love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew. <laughs> and my locks with the drops of the night. <laughs> He says, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? I just took a bath. My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door. And my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open my beloved and my hands dropped with myrrh. And my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Watch me. Have you seen him? That's enough, fellas. Come up. <laughs> Boy, they reading like they in the library the whole... 2,500 men doing research. They just down there. I didn't know this was in the Word of God. <laughs> a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of imagery in there. You just. Pray about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. Sila. <laughs> Marriage is honorable. The bed is undefiled. Whoremongers and adulterers 
God said, I'll judge. What we got to do is get rid of, of what we had experienced so that we can run into what he created. Can you believe that what he created may be better than what you experience? It is the struggle of transformation to forget those things which are behind and reach to those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the price. That's the whole issue, to let go of this so that we can lay hold of that. Can I talk a little bit more? See, what, what we like and what we prefer and what we need is a combination of our first experiences. The first things we smell, the first things we touch, the feel of a certain type of skin, soft breasts pointing into my chest. What I smelled, what I felt, what I remember becomes the spawning bed for my sexuality, be it right or wrong. be it good or evil, my early experience dictate my directions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I am a combination of everywhere I've been and everything that touched me and everything I touch. But the problem is sometimes everything that touched me wasn't right. And everything I touched wasn't right. But when my mind starts thinking, here come these movies. Here come these memories. Here come these things that I remember that I can't even talk about. Let me take a poll. How many of you remember something you don't want to talk about? Put your hand down. Most of the questions that I got from the men centered around Oral sex, anal sex, bisexuality, men struggling with homosexuality were the primary issues. You can't hardly tell it by looking, can you? You can't see it on the outside. It's on the inside. It's coming up on the screen. Lord, Help me to change my images. Because whatever I've been through, it creates doors in me and windows in me. Doors and windows. Doors and windows are access for the enemy to get in. Whatever you're struggling in, whatever enemy that has broken into your life, he got in through something. If the devil is fighting you with something, he's coming in through a door. He's coming in through a window. Let me give you, let me give you some more Bible. We're going to go into this book. What is it, Matthew? Romans 1. No, I don't want that one. I don't want that. Give me the one in the Gospels. Matthew 5 and 28. Matthew 5, 28. Get there. Get there. Get there. You let me know when you get bored. I'll let you go home. Okay. That's not the one I want. I didn't give you the one I want. I didn't write it down. I didn't give it to you. That's all right. Don't go to that because that's not it. That, that's not it. That's, that's something else. We'll, we'll go to that in a minute. Let me just tell you that I didn't use it. I didn't write it down. Let me share. The Bible says that when 
uh, a strong man controls a house that's stronger than he comes in. And when it's stronger than he comes in, he takes and spoils his goods. And then it begins to talk about demons and it talks about demonic influences that when they go out, the house is left swept clean. And he brings seven more of his buddies and wants to come back into the house that he got put out of. Okay. Now, any thief will tell you, in order to rob a house, he's got to have access. You need to understand that when you got delivered, there were certain spirits and strongholds that got put out of the house. Your house is swept clean. Blood has washed you. That devil wants you back. And the dangerous thing about him wanting you back is he knows where your doors are. He knows where your doors are. He knows where your windows are. He's cased the house. Let me show you where the doors are. The doors and windows to your sexuality are right around your experiences, your brokenness, your woundedness, incidents, accidents, adversities, molestations, two boys playing in the park, whatever it was you experienced, those memories, that abuse, that molestation, that's the door he's going to come to. Now, some of you are really uncomfortable because you really need to hear this, but you don't even know how to respond to it because you don't even want nobody to know that you need to hear this. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, that enemy is accessing you through a door. Something that you have been through allows him to know what buttons to push to get in. Because if you will notice, he don't waste time offering you stuff you don't want. <laughs> yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you're wrestling in this area, he don't keep sending dads. He don't keep sending you children if you don't like them. He don't keep sending you men if you're not drawn to them. He knows where to knock. The Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. Now you need to understand as a man of God, you're going to have to do warfare. And it's going to be a long spiritual warfare because periodically that devil is going to come back. The Bible says when the devil tempted Jesus in the garden, in the wilderness, that he left him for a season. Seasonally, that devil is going to come back. You can lay out in the floor and prostrate, roll your eyes up in the head and turn into a watermelon. When you come out of it, I'm telling you, when you come out of it, every so often, he's going to say, you home? Hello? It's me. set off a knock. <laughs> he said every time I praise the Lord. 
<laughs> Thank the Lord. All in your ear. <laughs> you trying to act like you don't hear it, but you're getting a knock. And the terrible part is you ought to be able to have this experience without getting a knock. And you're ashamed that you're getting a knock. You're ashamed because it's a wonderful sermon. All the saints just hugging. And you're supposed to just be brothers and sisters. Or brothers and brothers. But you're getting a knock. The longer you walk with God. Somebody say it ain't knocking like it was. <laughs> they used to knock on my door like the police. <laughs> Open up. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't there yet. Jesus, they just kicked your door down. <laughs> so you ain't got no door. I just coming in. But if you get up on the good ministry and you start getting good teaching, the first thing you notice is suddenly there's a door. And he can't get in as easy as he used to. And when he does get in, you feel funny about it. You used to didn't even feel funny about it. You used to look forward to it, enjoy it, and think about it and savor it after you did it. Now you do it, but you feel funny about it. Because it's a little door, it's a little resistance. You finally say, come on over, but it's with reluctance in the back of your mind. You feel a little guilty, a little door. Then you start making excuses. Well... I got to go to the grocery store. I can't, you can't come over now. The dumb excuses. Real, real thing is you're getting convicted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You ain't enjoying it like you used to.
and he's struggling. It's a struggle. It's a midnight struggle. It's a struggle at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's struggling to know himself. God told him, your name is not Jacob. Your name is Israel. You're a prince and you don't even know it. See, God wants to tell you who you really are. When you find out who you really are, you'll get the grace to turn away from being who they said you were. You are not who they said you were. preach this stuff. Bishop. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't even want to preach this kind of stuff. I never wanted to preach this kind of stuff. I never wanted to lay it on the line because when I started preaching about this kind of stuff, people weren't even talking about it. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to talk about this kind of stuff because everybody's going to think I'm crazy. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to scam on me. They're going to dig into my life. They're going to say I'm nothing. I don't want to even talk about it. Everybody's going to run from me. And I climbed up on the stage and I started preaching it and they didn't run from me. They ran to me. Thousands of people started coming from all over the country. They started coming from overseas to him because the church has had his hand over its mouth for years. And we have never talked about issues. And that's why the sinners left. That's why the sinners left. That's why men quit coming to church. Because men don't want to hear you talk about Paul and Silas locked in jail, had nobody to go to their bell. Midnight dancing came by the pirate's grave. They don't care nothing about that. Men want to hear something about issues. They want to be fathered. They want to be strengthened. They want to be encouraged. They need somebody to deal with the stuff that's wrestling with them and beating at them and tiring at them. That's why half of our men are on drugs and alcoholics because they got a secret that they're wrestling with that's eating at them, that's tearing them down, that's causing them not to walk in power. That's why he's slapping his wife up against the refrigerator because he's mad at himself. Any need to be healed. I started doing woman now I loose. Women came from all over the country. And then I noticed that men were tearing the cover off the book and reading it. They were reading it too. Saying, Bishop, would you write something to men? Because some of the things you're saying to the women, they said, we need that too. We need to be loose. We need to be healed. They were coming to me crying. Big, strong, rough, burly men were coming to me crying. Meeting me in the airport. Saying, Bishop, I never told nobody this. But my mama's boyfriend me when I was seven years old. And Bishop, I felt dirty all of my life. And I'm macho. And the reason I chase women all the time, chase them all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. I've got to have, got to have, got to have. Because I'm trying to prove to myself that I'm not. Jesus said, you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You'll never be free lying. 
you'll be free when you step into his presence and say, this is who I really am. And I need you to heal me. And I need you to change me. Instead of trying to change everybody to fit your perversion and changing your wife and changing your circumstance, changing your life. You need to quit trying to change everybody and come to this altar and say, Lord, change me. I'm going to ask you for something. Maybe the hardest thing I've ever asked for. I'm going to ask for an offering of honesty. You may not have ever been honest in your life about sexuality. But I'm going to ask you to want to be healed bad enough to break the code of silence. Jim Baker said something was really interesting. He talked about all of his obsessions and his experiences with Jessica Hahn and all of his stuff traced back to a secret he'd had all of his life. That he'd never been touched correctly as a child. And out of his abuse came obsessive behavior. That he had to go all the way to hell and back before he could talk about. I'm going to ask you for something real important. I want heads bowed and eyes closed. I'd like to be able to pray with you about the things that's eating at you. I'd like to be able to pray with you about rage and abuse, frustration, perversion. I'd like to be able to pray with you about being out of balance and out of control. Eating up with lust, problems, when your life is not in balance, there are other things in your life you need to do and be. But that enemy keeps knocking at your door. I'd like to be able to pray with you about that knock. You may not have ever, you may not have never answered the knock, but it's eating at you. I want to pray with you about it. I want to pray for men who've been molested. You may not have ever told anybody about it. I just want to pray for you. I don't want you to walk out of here carrying that stuff. The Lord brought you here to really set you free. And he'll do it. Day by day, he'll turn you around. That devil may always knock, but he won't knock as loud as he used to. If you're a man in this room and you've been molested, I want you to come stand at this altar. I want you to come stand at this altar. I just want you to come stand. I just want to pray for you. It may be the hardest thing you ever did in your life. 